With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome, everyone, to the Streakers Podcast. We are the ones that got away. I am Mason Migliera. That is Patrick Previty. I hope everybody is having themselves a fantastic week. It is currently Wednesday for us. I'm enjoying doing these a little bit on Wednesday. It kind of relaxed us a little bit. We're not really rushing to get the, the, the podcast done right before the NFL uh, Thursday slate starting up. But, uh... Yeah, it's Wednesday for us. We got some baseball going on right now. We got week seven right around the corner. Week six is in our rear view, but we're definitely going to take a quick look at that here in a couple minutes. But Patrick, how's everything doing, bud? I'm doing great. You know, I'm liking the Wednesday slot too. Mm -hmm. I think it offers, like you said, just a little bit more of a relaxed vibe, just different kind of episode. I feel like it's not it's not so rushed right before the Thursday night game and everything like that. I'm liking what we're doing. I'm liking this whole thing. Playoff baseball coming along. NFL football is, you know, underway. And I am thoroughly embarrassed from the picks last week. Mason, I I told these fan bases that they should go to sleep, that they shouldn't watch the game. They should go out and do something else. Go to a pumpkin patch and, like, enjoy the fall weather. Enjoy, you know, we got a cold front here. Enjoy whatever you want. Like, but don't watch the football games. And it turns out I was wrong. And actually, pretty much every single one of those games was close, which really sucks. It's really unfortunate. I mean, the Panthers game, uh, they were up 14-0 and obviously blew that lead pretty, <laughs> you know, with, with room to spare. Um, yeah. But they were up. And then the uh, Giants game against the Bills was very close. And then obviously the Jets and Browns came away with wins over the uh, Niners and Eagles, respectively. Yeah, yeah there were some big uh, upsets that happened this weekend for sure, but we'll get into those. Let's I'm going to give you everyone a quick little baseball recap last week at this time, we were on Wednesday, we were finishing up uh, the division series. And on Thursday, the Phillies ended up winning their series against the Braves three to one. Everyone's singing their song over in, in Philly. I don't know if you know the song they're singing. I don't even know what the name is, but I just keep replaying it in my head. And again, as a Marlins fan, I'm sick and tired of it. But then also as a Marlins fan, I'm like, hmm. So if we lost the Phillies, and let's say they win the whole thing, you can't feel that bad, right? Like, if you're going to lose, it's good to lose to the champs. That's how I think. 
and we already had the other two series wrapped up uh, on Wednesday. Uh, the Astros ended up moving on into the ALCS to face the the Rangers, which is actually happening at this moment. I'll talk about that in a second. And the Diamondbacks ended up finishing off the Diamond or the the Dodgers with a sweep. That was very surprising. I think that might have to do with the layoff that these teams have. The ones that get the first place and everything happened to the Braves. Braves didn't get swept, but they ended up getting knocked out uh, quickly by the Phillies. And then there was a bit of a of time between because the series all ended in pretty quickly, three or four games, and it was done. There was no game fives in the NLDS. But moving on into Sunday, we had the Rangers and Astros first game. Rangers, they took that game, two nothing. Montgomery for for the Rangers pitched amazing. He's been amazing all off uh, postseason. He's got a two point oh eight ERA right now in the postseason. He's been pitching phenomenal along with Nathan Avaldi, who I'll talk about in just a second. But yeah, he's two and zero in this postseason, 2.08 ERA, 17 innings pitched, 13 strikeouts. He's been great. Their offense has been really solid. Marcus Simeon, not so much at the top. He's hitting a little bit like 150, but it's postseason. Corey Seager, though, he's been doing it all for him right now. He's been He's got a, almost a 400 average in the playoffs. And Mitch Garver, he's been driving in all the runs. And the Rangers have only been behind in one inning so far in this entire postseason. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're closer, LeCleric, he's been nails for them at the end uh, of of ball games. The Astros, they just couldn't get anything going in that first game. Moving on into the next one, they the Rangers took a very commanding 4 nothing lead there in the first inning off of uh, Framber Valdez. That was surprising for sure. He gave up seven hits, five runs, four of them being earned. Had six Ks, only lasted two and two-thirds. And then the other side, Nathan Evaldi, he was just nails. Uh, he had nine strikeouts in six innings, three runs, three earned. Uh, he did give up two homers, but he got out of a crucial bases-loaded jam, I believe, in the sixth inning, only giving up one run, and they ended up winning that game by one run, five to four. And then we had the good old Diamondbacks going into Philadelphia, and – facing the Phillies and that Citizen Bank crowd. That Citizens Bank crowd is unbelievable. It is unmatched with any other baseball team, any other football, basketball, I don't care what it is. 45,000 people going absolutely bananas every time their hitters come up to hit, and they got right to it. In the first inning, you got Kyle Schwarber with a leadoff home run, hitting the ball off of Zach Gallon, 420 feet, first pitch, just right off the bat. Zach Gallon is like, oh, snap, I'm in trouble. Then he gets Trey Turner to line out, and then up comes the boy, Bryce Harper. First pitch again, fastball up in the zone. Harper turns on it, sends it into deep right center field. The crowd is just going absolutely bananas, and that's all that they needed. Uh, they were able to score a couple more runs. Uh, later in the game, Nick Castellanos, he had back-to-back games against the Braves where he hit two home runs in each game. The first time that's ever been done in playoff baseball history, Nick Castellanos did it, and then he hit his fifth uh, of the of the postseason there in the bottom of the second. They tacked on with a couple more runs, 
the Diamondbacks did make a little bit of a push here at the end. They ended up scoring three runs, but it wasn't going to be enough. The Phillies end up winning five to three. Then last night, it was another just massacre. Uh, man, Philly put it on them 10 to nothing. That is unheard of in the playoffs. First of all, need to give props to Aaron Nola. He has had a phenomenal postseason. His numbers, let me pull them up right now. He's 3-0 and with an ERA of under one. How many has he given up this entire postseason? Let me try and pull that up. Last three games, nope, that's not it. We need to go down here, go to postseason cumulative. He has given up in three games started in 18 and two-thirds. He has given up a total of two runs. He has been absolutely nails. And, again, they started off quick. Trey Turner, second batter of the game, hits a bomb. That's all they really needed. They didn't give up any runs. It has just been Philly all day. Now into the game that we have going on right at this moment. Max Scherzer. Hey, Mets fans, Max Scherzer's pitching the playoffs. But it's not for your team. It's for the flipping Rangers. Didn't see that coming over down in April. Didn't think that was going to happen. Uh, but he has given up three runs in the second inning. That just happened just a couple minutes ago. First start back off the I.L., Obviously a big spot. They're up 2-0, so they got some wiggle room. But he almost got out of the bases loaded jam, just like Nathan Evaldi did. But a wild pitch got away from Jonah Heim, allowed Jordan Alvarez to score from uh, from from third. And then the very next pitch, Martin Maldonado hits a single and two runs score. And what just happened, oh, man, are we going to get into the scandal? Is he, is he cheating again? Jose Altuve with a home run, and it is now 4-0 in the, going into the bottom of the third. Uh, in the series with the Astros and the Rangers. Patrick, let me ask you. Looking at it right now, it's a little bit lopsided. Both both series are 2-0 to, uh, to, the, to the teams, Rangers and the Phillies. Who are you thinking? Do you think that the Diamondbacks can make a comeback or do you think the Phillies are going to win? And same thing with the other series. Are the Astros going to make a comeback and go to the World Series? Or is it going to be the, be the Rangers? What's your World Series matchup right now? Based off of what I've seen so far through these playoffs, you're looking at a team like like the Houston Astros, you know, vet team. This is they've have made it um, in a sense beyond their cheating allegations for a while now. They've they've proved to everybody that they can kind of they can do it. It's almost like the New England Patriots. You know, you you keep you want to think and you want to say Spygate helped them, which I imagine right it did, but they're still here and they're still working. And for Phil for the Phillies, they're the hottest team in baseball. It's unbelievable. They got hot again. They, I mean, they're gonna they can possibly have two um, World Series appearances and not win their division at the time. They'll have both wild card bursts go straight to the world series. That's pretty unbelievable. I I think the way that these teams have looked through the first couple games um, in the ALCS and the NLCS, I, I would have to say that it would be Philly's Astros. And Astros. I, I really can't go any other way. I don't know if any of the other teams have enough uh, firepower and enough, you know, just the general ability to change the momentum in these series. I mean, it's getting, the Astros are really putting it on the Rangers right now. Like I just don't but they see are down. They are down to nothing in the series. They lost the first two games the Astros did. Oh. You still think that they can come? No, it's okay. It's possible. It's very possible. No, but yes. Do, I'm, do you... From from the totality of what I've seen from the Astros in the playoffs, I, st- I do believe that they okay. could come back. 
Do you think they can win four of the next, uh, uh, what, five, five. games? Yeah. That, that's what they're going to have to do. It's a tall mm-hmm. task. It's a tough yeah. order. I mean, they're already certainly like off to a good start tonight. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would say it's the veteran savviness makes me not want to pick against them. Yeah. So. I fully, I, I can agree with that. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go with the Phillies. They just have so much firepower. They have the best crowd in the entire uh, playoffs and it, in this playoffs right now, but as a whole, that crowd, that's just, another level of intimidation. Merrill Kelly, he came in before he started in the game two last night. He said, I'm not really worried about the crowd because I was part of the WBC down in Miami and against Team Venezuela, I have never heard a stadium as loud as I've heard it down there. And he was at the game on game one, but he wasn't playing in the game uh, in in NLCS in game one. It doesn't matter. Once you get on that field, it's a whole different animal. So, and he, he got shown that he got gave up the home run to Trey turn. It was just kind of downhill from there. So I'm definitely coming with the, with the Phillies out of the NL, but for the AL, if the Astros can win this game tonight, they will have momentum, but I still think that the Rangers will find a way to win just two more games. They'll win. They'll win one of the three that they have left at home. Right. Yeah. They have, no, yeah, they'll win one of the next three that they have at home, and then they'll find a way to win another one in Houston because they'll throw out Nathan Evaldi. They'll throw all their bullets that they need to. So that's what I'm looking at. You got Phillies and Astros. I have Phillies and Rangers. Either way, either series is going to be super exciting. We will have you updated on that as it as it happens. Probably We might talk about it on Sunday. We'll see. See if any series is over, actually. But moving on, we're going to talk about the NFL. We had some, we definitely had some storylines this weekend. Obviously, you're talking about the upsets of the week with uh, New York beating the Eagles. That was crazy. Then Cleveland beating San Francisco. That was wild. I mean, let's just start right off with those. Let's start off with Cleveland and San Francisco because this is another situation that. We talked about it. You know, the San Francisco 49ers, they look like the best team in the NFL, and it wasn't even close. And it started off hot for them. They had a touchdown, I think, on their first drive of the game. First or second drive, it looks like their first. Uh, Christian McCaffrey with a nice little shovel pass from, from Brock Purdy. It was great. But then the injuries started to happen for their offense. Christian McCaffrey got hurt. Debo Samuel got hurt. Then Brock Purdy... He didn't look like the guy that he has been all season. So does this does this raise question for you for the 49ers? Is Brock Purdy able to carry them to the promised land, even if one or two of their superstars get hurt? Okay. So I definitely think it's twofold. I'm not going to give you a straight answer, be like yes or no. Um, they definitely needed Christian McCaffrey out there yesterday. I mean, that was obvious it was apparent I mean he's he's had his touchdown streak um and he's been playing amazing football possibly was in the running for uh for MVP uh through the first six weeks of the season uh or five weeks of the season excuse me and they clearly missed him and that clearly hurt Purdy and you just hate this hate to see this 49ers team who seems like over the last five years has been plagued by injuries they've been really good just the only thing that ever stops them is injuries 
Um, so you hated to see that. Uh, I will say it, the 49ers looked beatable and they lost, obviously, but they looked like they would have lost to a lot of other teams outside of the Browns, too, in the NFL. P.J. Walker was starting for the Browns. That is not a quarterback you usually want to lose against, especially with that defense that they had. So now you're looking around and you're thinking, what happened? We're, we're definitely um, we're definitely susceptible to to some bullets. You're not invincible. So I will say that there's a bit of me, maybe my own takeaway is just this team isn't unstoppable. And then for them, I think it's maybe also a little bit of a reality check. They hadn't lost a regular season game in the last 14 uh, matches, I believe, or maybe 15 it was. It was a very long time. And, you know, the only game that they lost was whenever they had to almost go to their emergency QBs in the NFC Championship game. So they, they had won a lot of games. Uh, or played a lot of games where they couldn't really blame a loss specifically on their shoulders, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think for them, they just need to make sure that I think it, it brings them down to down to earth a little bit, but I don't think I'm going to make the conclusion that Brock Purdy can't lead this team to a Super Bowl. I honestly do believe he can. He did have them in field goal range at the very end without some of his biggest weapons. And he started to drive and he was able to make it down the field um, there was a late, uh, there was a late hit call, a personal foul call on the Browns drive when they kicked a field goal to go ahead. That was huge. I mean, there's no getting around it. They said it on the broadcast that that was not a penalty. So there was some stuff that didn't go their way at the very end. Obviously, the kicker missed uh, the field goal, the game-winning field goal. So I, I think with with all of that, I'd still put my chips in with Brock Purdy. That's fair. I mean. Uh, also, a little salt into the wound there for Jake Moody. He's a rookie. He had his entire family at the game, and that wasn't the only kick that he missed. He missed another one early in the game as well, and it wasn't like a 50-yard. I think it was like a 40-yarder or something. I, I, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I apologize. I'm not going to act like I'm Stephen A. Smith, who tries to say that he watches every single game when he clearly doesn't. I don't watch every single NFL game, but I know that he did miss two field goals, and – so, obviously, things like that, like Brock Purdy had them in the position. He did his job uh, of getting them into field goal position, but it just wasn't executed to perfection. And perfection is tough. Like, to go 16-0, 17-0, it's going to be extremely difficult. Everything has to go right. And, unfortunately, for the 49ers, it just didn't go right for them this week. And that's going to happen. Um, but as for the Browns, what does this say for them? Does this motivate them? Is there a chance that they can make some kind of run? I mean, the AFC North does not look as daunting as it normally does. Like, do they take advantage of this? Or is it just kind of like lightning in a bottle for them? They got lucky, uh, something like that. Yeah, this is a huge win, I'd say, because I'm not a big fan of the Steelers. I'm not buying into that. And I am slowly – the Bengals got a big win against the Seahawks, but I am slowly still like – being i'm not going to jump back on the bengals bandwagon i'm i'm more slow with that uh with coming around that the bengals are again a super bowl contender possibly um so that leaves the ravens who have not looked very sharp um and the browns who've got a big win with pj walker qb and sean watson portedly trying to come back this week playing this week's game so I definitely think that there's there's room for it in all honesty. And I remember we said this like but this was before the Nick Chubb injury where we really thought that they they could do something when the when the Bengals essentially their franchise Joe Burrow 
was looking like not himself at all through the first few weeks of the season. I definitely thought with Nick Chubb that this Browns team could make the playoffs. I mean, I really started to believe that. Now, without Nick Chubb, I'm skeptical. I do think that there's a path, though, because they clearly – they got Kareem Hunt's very good. He's pretty much just picked up right where, we, where he left off from last year. So he's still really good. And getting Deshaun Watson back, I think, gives you a boost, you know. And as far as – I picked the Ravens. As far as they are concerned – I'm not extremely impressed, and I'm not buying the Steelers right now. I think that three and two record is very deceiving. Yeah, I agree. That AFC North is very, very interesting so far. But let's move on from one that team that was undefeated to another team that was undefeated that lost this week was the Philadelphia Eagles. They went into New York and took on the Jets, led by Zach Wilson, and they end up losing that game. Now, looking at the numbers, Zach Wilson didn't have himself a fantastic game. He was 19 to 33, 186 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but he did take five sacks. So that shows the Philadelphia defense was getting to him and they were able to pressure him and get sacks. And as for their rushing, no, nothing crazy. Brees Hall, 12 carries, 39 yards, one touchdown, but he also had five catches for 54 yards. Uh, no one else really had anything. No, no touchdowns for any, any wide receiver. Garrett Wilson had 90 yards. Brees Hall was the number two guy. So what was it all field goals? Like I, I again, I didn't watch this entire game. I just saw the final score and was like, what? Field goal, field goal, field goal. Oh, Brees Hall had that rushing touchdown at the end. Okay. So when you look at that, it's like, how the heck did they win this game? Well, when you look at the other side, Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts had probably one of his worst games of his career. He was still 28 of 45, which isn't great. 280 yards, one touchdown, but it was the three interceptions. And also, DeAndre Swift had a fumble that was lost. So the Jets' defense creating turnovers was the huge turning point in this game. I don't know about – I'm sure – I don't know if you watched it at all um, or if you just saw the score at the end, but is this something to worry about for, for the Eagles? Because we've been, th- we've been saying it all year. They haven't played as well as we – would expect them to play. Now that yeah. Jalen Hurts sees a very well coached and extremely top tier defense, this is the team, this is the result. Like, what does that mean for them? Shout out the Jets defense, man. I've been putting pressure on them uh as of late with Zach Wilson's better play. And they definitely showed up. I, I think this shows a path of losing for the Eagles or how they can lose. This is a part of a formula. I don't think Jalen Hurts is gonna go throw three interceptions in a playoff game. You know, again, I, I or at all the season again, but um, I, I think that this shows that they can lose just like the 49ers. It, it was it was that. And I think that this shows that, hey, you can't just flip a switch every single weekend. This was the epitome of NFL is week to week, man. It doesn't matter what how what your record is or how you played last week, man. You got to go in there and, and play 60 minutes of football and beat that other team like you have to earn it. And this was this week was the epitome of that. Um, but the Eagles have been a team that has had an off switch and an on switch. And usually that that's that's not a good sign for a team that's trying to play 17 games in the regular season. And then, you know, three or four games in the postseason. Like you need to have the on switch on all the time. And they finally got burnt by it, I think, a little bit, too. They probably expected the two. Um, to turn it on at some point, and they didn't. You know, they had a close game against the Pats to open the year. Shouldn't have been close. They had a big lead. 
to start the game. And then they had a close game against the Vikings. Shouldn't have been close. The Vikings were just fumbling the ball all over the yard in the first two weeks of the, of the season. Then they had a close game against the Commanders and just barely pulled that one off. So mm-hmm. it's probably, yes, it probably has been a long time coming. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say that this specific Jalen Hurts performance is indicative of how the season is going to go for him or for this team, but it shows that they're beatable, and we kind of knew that coming in. I mean, they made a reactionary move to this. They signed Julio Jones this uh, – was it today, yesterday? So I think – whatever. In the last couple of days, they have signed Julio Jones. Um, so that's a huge get for them. Obviously, he's like 34 years old. He's not the same guy that he was when he was young with the Falcons. But he's ring chasing, it, it seems like. And props to him. He's got a Hall of Fame career already behind him. So he's allowed to ring chase. But I want to move on to the Jets real quick. Because now looking at their schedule, they're three and three. Looking at their schedule, that win against the Bills in week one, that has set them up actually really nicely. It's given them enough of a buffer because obviously you go to Dallas, you have just lost Aaron Rodgers, and you're not expected to win that game. Dallas looked unstoppable in week one, and they continued to do that in week two against you guys. Then you play the Patriots, you lose 15 to 10. Okay, now you're like, oh, crap, we're kind of screwed. Then you got the Chiefs. Although it was a loss, we talked about it. There was a moral victory there with uh, Zach Wilson. He played well. He played arguably better than uh, than Patrick Mahomes. They lost that game by three points, 23 to 20. Then you go and you play the Broncos, you beat the Broncos. Now you're two and three, and you're looking at, oh, shoot, we got the Eagles. Like, this might be a little scary. But you're in the NFL. You're an NFL team. You're not going to go like, oh, woe is me. Like, oh, we got to go play the Eagles. No, you're you're expecting to win every single game. And they go and they beat the Eagles. Now next week, I think they're on a bye this week, actually. My mistake. But in the coming weeks, they got the Giants, who have not looked good. Then they have the Chargers at home on primetime. The Chargers have not looked spectacular this season. They look be- – they're beatable. Raiders, you already beat the Bills once. Then you got the Dolphins on uh, Black Friday, so that's a primetime game. You got the Falcons, the Texans, the Dolphins again, Commanders, Browns, Patriots. Those are all very – those are winnable games for them. So maybe the pa- – or not the Patriots, the Jets can find their way into the playoffs and – we saw Aaron Rodgers. He was on the field throwing footballs five weeks after he tore his damn Achilles. Is he Superman out there? I don't know. But if he comes back and he's actually healthy, that is astounding, and that can be the boost that they need because they, they can run to the Super Bowl. That defense is Super Bowl caliber. And if they've been working with Aaron Rodgers all preseason, so they already have that camaraderie with him, if Zach Wilson can just hold them above water, if not better than that, what are what do you think? Uh, I don't know if I see that. Really? Did I, I just hype them up way too much? The who? The the, the Jets. Yeah, I don't know if I see that, Joe. Though, just yeah, I don't know, man. I I agree with what you're saying to an extent, but I still think that that means this team is probably not going to be able to catch up in their own division. And that's really where it comes down to. I understand all the points that you laid out, though, and how it's looking right now. I still, I mean, still give me the Bills and Dolphins and a clear head above them, you know. I don't really know if I see it. 
I mean, I don't, I don't know. Obviously, you see, you see the hoodie I'm wearing right now. It's not like me to be talking up the Jets, but I, I'm honestly, I'd be a little bit worried. I'm a little bit worried. I'm not worried about Zach Wilson uh, beating us, but our defense will, I, I don't know. They, they give up some stuff. I mean, Jalen Ramsey, the 21-day window just opened, so he's going to be coming back in the next three weeks at least. I'm just worried about how two is going to do against that defense. So I'm looking forward to that when it comes on Black Friday. And as for the Bills, I mean, they already lost them once. They're in Josh Allen's head. So why couldn't they do it again? We'll see what happens. But I don't know. I think that's something to look out for because they don't have the most rigorous schedule in the slightest, in my opinion. But moving on, let's talk about the London game. We kind of were touching on it. We were doing our podcast during the game. Uh, for whatever reason, I ended up choosing the Tennessee Titans to win this game. Man, Ryan Tannehill didn't do diddly squat. He had eight of six. Oh, he got hurt. That's why. Now, now that I remember, he got hurt, but he still didn't do anything when he was playing. He was eight of 16, 76 yards. And then Malik Willis comes in with an interception. Malik Willis comes in four, five, 74 yards. <clears throat> and then Derrick Henry. He rushed for uh, almost 100 yards, had one touchdown, nothing too crazy. Um, I, I, and then just before the podcast started, I saw that uh, the Titans are looking to potentially move Derrick Henry. So just throwing this out there, what is a landing spot for Derrick Henry if they Ooh, do end up him? That's a good question. Um, if I had to look around the league, who needs a running back? Like truthfully the most and who can afford Derrick Henry on their mm-hmm. roster right now? I don't know exactly how many teams fit that that build. I mean, I want to say the Bills, right? Because they're a team that's needed yep. a running back for years, but they're doing good with James Cook. I think that's enough for right now. And, and the rest of the committee that's going to support him in the run game because James Cook obviously catches a lot of passes. So then... I mean, the, the Dolphins are just experiencing like a lot of injuries, but they expect to be just fine. I don't think that they want to make a move for like a superstar because they'll also have to give up stuff of their own for that. So I don't really see them wanting to make a move like that either. I can see the Jets potentially doing it. I mean, they've been crazy all going for Aaron Rodgers and everything, signing Dalvin Cook, which hasn't worked out at all. Why not go for for uh, Derrick Henry? I mean, why not? Maybe the Colts. No, not the Colts. No, not the Jags. Ravens could, maybe. Could have seen the Colts before the Jonathan Taylor injury. Uh, yeah, maybe the Ravens. Henry I don't know Richardson. what they would give up, right? They would probably picks. I'd, I'd, I'd imagine, like, uh, maybe a couple players and a, and some picks or something like that. Like, Derrick Henry would be a lot, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't maybe know if I, I – I know the Ravens definitely want it, though. They, they need, they like, should. that extra boost, that extra bit of firepower that gives – that Derrick Henry gives you? Maybe the Packers, because you never know what's going on with Aaron Jones. Uh, A.J. Dillon's obviously very serviceable, but if you can get Derrick Henry, I mean, they were trying to trade for uh, Jonathan Taylor, so why not go after Derrick Henry? That could be a very interesting landing spot there. It would create a little bit, it would create a three-headed monster there, and I don't know how that would end up working, but if Aaron Jones can't stay healthy... You got to start if you want to make a run. <laughs> excuse me. If you want to make a run, you might just have to go for it. So that could be interesting. Uh, and as for the Ravens, I mean, nothing, nothing really crazy going on there. It was a London game for them. 
Lamar Jackson played a fine game, 21 to 30, 233 yards, uh, 100, one touchdown, ran the ball well. Mark Andrews had some catches. Nothing too crazy going on there. A bunch of field goals I think they had. Justin Tucker, 41. We were talking about that. Uh, next game that we had, Washington and Atlanta. I actually did end up picking Washington. Again, just one of those gut feelings I had, and I was right on that. What have you thought? Uh, what are you thinking of the Commanders? Do you think they have a shot, or is this just like the last kind of game for them that they could win, and then it's just kind of downhill? Yeah, the latter. I just don't. I just don't see it in that division either. I don't see the way out necessarily. I mean, I know that the Cowboys have been under major heat, but they got a big win over the Chargers this last week, and I just don't think. I just don't think that they can compete in that division, and I think that this is a nice win. But like you said, there aren't a ton of winnable games um, in that division. They've already lost to the Eagles once, and they got the Eagles once more, obviously. And then they still have two games against the Cowboys. Uh, that's that's a tough that's tough sledding. I mean, they they also have the Dolphins and Seahawks on their schedule. On top of that, um, this Falcons game was really weird because of Desmond Ritter's play. That's specifically why I think this game ended up like it did with his three interceptions um, and, and credit to the commanders, but with his three interceptions, he's been so up and down this year. Maybe the one of the more sneaky up and down players in, in the NFL, because I think people associate Desmond Ritter with just simply not being good enough in general, like at all. It's like you're thinking, Oh, he's a game manager at best. Well, no, sometimes he turns it on low key for the, for the Falcons and can make some plays. And other times he ends up like this. It's not at the it's not the broadest ends of the spectrum that we've ever seen, but he but a game like this, uh, the from the other day, Falcons won't win any games if he throws three interceptions. They're just not good enough all around. No, yeah, that, that you're 100 right, and that kind of leads me into the next game with Detroit and Tampa. I tried to go in and I tried to pick Tampa. I thought they were going to have that momentum, but they just kind of came out flat coming out of their bye week. Going against the Lions, man, the Lions look good though. Five and one, it's looking like a, it's going to be. It's not the same old Lions this year. It's it's a brand new Lions, and this team looks really really fun. Uh, so nothing really to talk about on that side of it. But as for the as for Tampa, this is kind of one of those games where Baker Mayfield was flat. Uh, Nineteen and thirty-seven, two hundred six yards, no touchdowns, one interception, uh, no run game at all from them. But with the Falcons losing, they're able to kind of take advantage of that, and they don't lose a whole lot in the division. Uh, if any, they don't lose really anything at all. Uh, they just don't gain the game, but they play the Falcons this upcoming week. Uh, I don't know where the game is at, actually. Let me see if I can find it, um, if it's in Atlanta or if it's in Tampa. Regardless. It's in Tampa. Okay, so it's in Tampa. So they got that home field advantage. I always like to mention that because I think that's a real thing. I don't care. What team you are, home field advantage is huge. That should give you an extra three points, I think, for any anything, but whatever. Um, they, they can take advantage of that, and hopefully they can come out next week against Atlanta, and they can put it on them and say, okay, yeah, we don't want to have to worry about you the rest of the season. We need to know that we can beat you right now. So that's what I'm looking forward to next week. So although both of those teams lost, I think – uh, Tampa's in a better position right now than Atlanta is. Well, you know, when you were saying all of this, you know what a th- what thought crossed my mind? I think that what Washington thinks they are is what the Bucks actually are. 
And I think the Bucks are a team that can beat all of those teams below them, but they can't compete with the teams above them. And I will say for the, for the Falcons specifically, though, their case, I think <laughs> they got a they got a very close win against the Packers and a very close win against the Texans. Those are two teams that I would say are, are middle of the road squads right now. And obviously, they got a Week One win over the Panthers, and they've lost the Lions, Jags, Commanders. I don't like what I'm seeing from from the Falcons. I don't buy it. I know that they're your team that you picked to win the division. Shoot, I picked the Saints, and we we haven't even brought them up yet. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that the Falcons are in for an, a rude awakening as this season progresses. There are some middle-of-the-road teams that they have on their schedule coming up, and I think the Bucks might be one of them. Um, and Middle-of-the-road teams include the Titans, Vikings, and Cardinals right now, and then Saints, and then possibly even the Jets. I mean, their entire their entire schedule isn't – it's not crazy, but it's one of those where – these are all teams with wins on their on their record. They got decent wins. Actually, I should say outside of the Panthers, but they've gotten uh, decent wins. They've looked good at from time to time, but they haven't been consistent. And I think the Falcons fall right into that. I think the Bucks' issue is they're not going to beat a team like the Eagles. They're not going to beat a team like the Lions. And realistically, they're not going to look very good in those games either. Even if even if you think, oh, they're not going to beat them, they're still going to look good. No. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be they're not going to be good looking at all. I mean, they got the, they got the Bills and the 49ers coming up. Uh, that's two games over the next five over the next five um, that I see. I would almost pencil in as losses, but I could pencil in the other three as wins almost. I mean, I really do like him this week against the Falcons and then they have the Texans and Titans. I think those are more than winnable games for the Bucks. So I like them against bad teams. Don't like them against good teams. And the Falcons, I think. I've gotten like away with way. something so far. Yeah. You don't like them either way. No, not saying. not anymore. Not after this last week. I, I definitely just don't think that Desmond Ritter is consistent enough for this team to make any improvements. They made so many adjustments in the offseason, and it's just not showing as much as it should be because they don't have the quarterback figured out yet. Yeah. Quarterback questions are always going to be the top talking point uh, for any team. If you got a question mark there, you can't really do a whole lot. I guess unless you're the 49ers, but it wasn't really a question. I don't know. We don't need to get in all that. But talking about a team that might have quarterback questions is the Chicago Bears. They faced the Minnesota Vikings last week. And, man, this game was so underwhelming for me. Uh, I had Kirk Cousins going in fantasy, and, man, he didn't play well at all. He had, like, eight total points uh, as, a, as a quarterback, which is just not good and unheard of. He was 21 of 31, 181 yards, one touchdown. This was their first game without Justin Jefferson. So to me, what I noticed was they were not the same team. Although they were already one and four with him, um, they didn't look all that much better without him. So I don't know what that says for, for Justin Jefferson, or maybe it just says more for the team as a whole. But, yeah, they didn't do a whole lot for anyone that thought K.J. Osborne myself included, was going to do something. He didn't do anything. He had four catches, 48 yards. Could have went with someone else uh, very easily. But, yeah, uh, Minnesota just – they were able to take advantage of this of the situation, and, and they were able to win. But going to Chicago, Justin Fields, he got hurt. I don't know what the injury was, but I, I'm pretty sure he got hurt. And uh, Tyson Bagent, that's how I'm going to pronounce his name, uh, came in for them, and yeah, but even though Justin got hurt, uh, six of 10, 58 yards, an interception, 
So in a very short amount of time, he already threw an interception. Um, what what are you looking at with these Bears? What do they need to do? Do they need to just tank? Oh God, man, I don't. I can't get a read on this team to save my life. Look, if Justin Fields is, what are the reports saying? I I honestly have no idea. Um, I, I think I thought he was going to be out for a little bit of a for a longer period of time. I haven't seen anything really about uh, the injury. It looks like he exited with a right hand injury in the third quarter. So in the third quarter, he'd only attempted 10 passes. That's yeah. He insane. dislocated his thumb. So, so no, no timetable. And it's on his throwing hand, I believe. Look, okay. he didn't practice today. I don't, I just can, can I don't think that they want to tank. I, I think like, obviously I don't think a coach wants to tank, but I think like if the coach and the GM tank and you know, you end up getting one of the top picks. I mean, you might already get it anyway with uh, the Panthers pick, but if that is what happens, they're not going to be with the bears any longer. They're not going to be making that pick. So they definitely don't want to do it. But as far as what would bears fans probably most want, I honestly think that the bears fans would be fine with, Hey, we'll go two and 15. We'll go three and 14. It is what it is this year, man. I mean, if there was any chance, I remember we talked about this when they went, when they started 0-3, we were like, is there any chance? Are we writing them off? And they somehow got a win, if, um, you know, shocked the world really with their uh, turnaround win against the commanders. But mm-hmm. there's, so there was maybe like a little glimpse of hope. There was maybe a little bit something that they could sell their fan base. But now with Justin Fields out, having another division loss under your belt, you're one in five, one of the worst records in all of football. You're not going to have your starting quarterback. This this looks like this season is definitely 100% over. Oh, I think so, too. I, I think their season is 100% over. I'm already looking towards the draft and, like, what they should be thinking of doing. Like, do they go out and get Caleb Williams, who says that he wants uh, some stake in ownership or some something like that, which is wild in itself. I don't even want to discuss that right now. That I don't understand. But Wait, he said that? He said he wants like some part of the ownership, some stake in the team, something like that. I mean, obviously, anything you read on on the internet, take with a grain of salt. But like, I saw that on Twitter through from multiple people, so I don't know what what all that means. But going towards the Bears again, do they throw out Justin Fields, trade him, and and go for Caleb Williams, and then if they have the second round pick, take Marvin Johnson? Uh, out of out of Ohio State, like now oh, Marvin got, Harrison, yeah, or Marvin Harrison. I, I could see them. I would do that if I was them. Honestly, I I mean, wide receivers become an abundantly um, important position mm-hmm. uh, in the NFL over the last ten years. So I would yeah. definitely make that move at two. I think he's generational. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, I think they would they would rather be in that situation. I, I think you could ask him what what would you rather be have have salvaged this year, competed. You're not going to make the playoffs. And you have Justin Fields, you don't have a high enough pick. Maybe you have the Panthers pick, who knows? But you don't have a high enough pick and to get a quarterback. And you're going to keep your head coach and you're going to keep your GM. Like if I had to poll Bears fans and say, would they rather have that or lose Justin Fields, fire GM head coach, and then draft a QB? Well, like which would they rather have? Which situation would they rather be in? Yeah. I definitely think that they would rather be in in the ladder and take a quarterback and overhaul. Man, I don't know if I could go through that again. 
I feel like because you're going to get one of the top picks regardless because of the Panthers. Very true. So, I mean, if you tank the rest of the season, I guess like the GM, they could have a whole front office change. Or if they don't even try and tank and they just are that bad, then they still end up with a good pick. Like you still could. There's so many different situations, and that's why I'm not. I'm not the one that's making them. I just get to talk about it. Um, so I don't know. I would. Either way, they're gonna get some scrutiny. So we'll have to see what happens with that. I'm very intrigued. Uh, but very sorry for Bears fans. Either way, absolutely. Uh, but the future should be bright. But who cares about potential? Doesn't matter. Uh, moving on to the next game, we had the Seattle Seahawks going to Cincinnati and take on the Bengals. This one was kind of surprising to me. Um, I kind of expected the Seahawks to play a little bit better. Uh, Joe Burrow, he had a had a fine game, 24 of 35, 185 yards, two tuds, and, and one interception. Um, th- this was a very feel-good game for the, for the Bears, for the Bengals. Now they're at three and three. They're at 500. I don't know. I don't know if they're going into their bye week this week, but they should be feeling good. They're getting healthier. Joe Burrow said that he's been feeling good, better than he has all season. I don't know. What What do you think? What was bigger, the Bengals winning, or was it bigger that the Seahawks lost? I definitely – well, first of all, the Seahawks, at, le- at the very least, the 49ers lost in that division. So, hey, if they have any shot at trying to win that division – you know, that loss definitely hurts them, but it doesn't put them in the ground. I think the Bengals win. You know, I'm saying I'm I'm slowly, I'm slowly buying back in. I'm being very hesitant, but I will say that was a huge win over a very talented Seahawks team. They needed something and it wasn't, it wasn't pretty at all. It wasn't like they lit up the scoreboard, but I think with Joe Burrow, you know, hopefully for Bengals fans and NFL fans being healthy again, I think that that's a really good sign for this team. It, it it all revolves around Joe Burrow. If he is not healthy, if he is not that guy anymore, this team is not good enough. I think that this win for the Bengals could possibly, I could see this when the season is over, if we look back on this Bengals season, I could see this as possibly being a turnaround point and saying this is when things clicked for us. Yeah, well, I, we'll have to see. I always say that. We'll have to see. I don't know. That's just my phrase, I guess. But moving on to a team that is already clicking, my Miami Dolphins. They took on the Carolina Panthers. How a little scare there in the first quarter, 14-0. I was like, okay, guys, what are we doing? But it was the first quarter. I know my team. I know my offense. And uh, they took off. They scored 21 points in the second in the second quarter, and they just kind of took over the rest of the game. To a 21-31, 262 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. I love seeing the zero turnovers. And what I also love to see is the zero sacks. They've been – that offensive line has just been playing out of their mind this season. Again, take with a grain of salt, they're playing the Panthers, a very, very poor team. But still, zero sacks in the NFL, that's really good. Tua has not been getting hit basically at all this season. I think he's only had like maybe five total sacks on the year. Uh, we did see a clip that his jujitsu was coming to play. Yeah, nice – he got pushed – had a little nice backwards somersault kind of thing, and he took the fall, and he didn't get hurt. People were talking about that. That's what we're talking about right now in Miami. It's kind of funny, but we have a very serious situation going on. We got the Philadelphia Eagles and a pissed-off Philadelphia Eagles team. Apparently, they're wearing their throwback jerseys on primetime Sunday night. That is gonna that is a huge game for 
for the Dolphins. I mean, I don't think there's much to talk about with the Panthers. They put up 14 points in the first quarter. That was great. They had a fake punt. That was cool. They almost got it. Said they converted it, but then they didn't, and then it went back and forth. Whatever. Panthers is what it is. I don't even feel like talking about that. Adam Thielen having a hell of a season. Got to mention that. Fantasy, if you have him fantasy, he's been great. But the Dolphins, I'm just worried how they're going to go against this defense because our run game has been really, really good this year. Mostert had 115 yards, two touchdowns. They even had a receiving touchdown too. Yeah, Mostert's been nuts this season. But I'm just kind of nervous about how the Dolphins are going to go against this defensive front because it's very talented. And then on, on the flip side, I'm nervous about how our defense is going to be going up against Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and company. Like, that's going to be very scary. We do have Jalen Ramsey in that 21-day window right now. So he should be coming back here in the next couple of weeks. I don't expect it to be this week, but maybe in the next two weeks, we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on the Dolphins' season so far, and what are your expectations moving forward? Man, I... I am just I'm low-key falling in love with this Dolphins team, man. I, I think this is yeah, I think it's Super Bowl caliber. I mean, this offense, like I've said, I've never seen an offense this just powerful, this explosive, maybe before ever. And this this matchup against the Eagles this week, man, this is a Super Bowl preview. I am just licking my chops to see this game on Sunday night football next week. I am just I'm just over the moon about this matchup. I mean, I, I'm buying into Tua. I have been bought into Tua. The whole, the whole thing was his health. It was about you know if he can, if he can avoid, you know any head or neck injuries, this team is going to be really good, and they're proving that. You know, they as long as they can, we'll, we'll see how the matchup against the Bills go. Um, goes in week eighteen. Well, a long ways away from that, you know, and who knows what like the records might look like by that point. Maybe the Dolphins have a big enough lead in the division that they only play their starters for a half or something. Who knows what that game might look like. You know, week 18 games usually look a little bit different than what the season looked like. Um, but as far as that goes, they have another game against the Chiefs in a few weeks after this Eagles game. After that, more than winnable games the rest of the way. Until the very end, they'll throw in the Cowboys and Ravens and Bills, which be very interesting to see uh those games because obviously the cowboys and the ravens are in the thick of division uh races as well so this schedule is doable this offense is immaculate it's really just comes down to can they beat the bills yeah that's definitely what it is that's what it's been, it's been our achilles heel uh last couple of years we just can't get over the bills and, and that hump so i'm very excited I'm not going to use any kind of words. I'm just, I'm excited to see what happens either way. Next game we got was the Indianapolis Colts and the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's kind of looking like they're, the Colts there, their season's kind of fallen off due to Anthony Richardson. He did decide to get the season-ending shoulder surgery. Very unfortunate for them. Very unfortunate for him. Um, but in this game, they kind of just got their, you know, what's handed to them by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I, what I said was Trevor Lawrence needed to have himself a game. He kind of he did twenty of thirty, only one hundred eighty-one yards passing, but two touchdowns with one interception, taking three sacks. Travis Etienne 
55 yards, two touchdowns uh, rushing. So good, good game for them. Uh, on the other side, Indianapolis. Minshew had lots of attempts, 33 of 55, 329 yards, one touchdown, but did throw three interceptions. Nothing on the ground was happening for them. Zach Moss, 21 yards. Jonathan Taylor, 19 yards. If the Colts want anything this season, they're going to need Jonathan Taylor to do something. And it's kind of – ever since Jonathan Taylor's come back, it's been like the Colts, they've kind of fallen flat. And it's kind of like, well, Jonathan Taylor, this is what you got. I don't know. It's an unfortunate situation because I definitely did want to see Anthony Richardson play, but his play style is very, very aggressive and more power to him. But in the NFL, these guys hit different. So, yeah, completely agree. I will say it is kind of, like you said, it is kind of ironic. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor comes back in the lineup and just hasn't been able to do anything, save this team when they really need to be saved. Because this is a good football team with Anthony Richardson out there. When he's not out there, man, I was very disappointed with Gardner Minshew's play. And they're struggling to run the ball without him out there. And it is a bit confusing. Now, they didn't really commit 100% to the run game because they obviously got down like in the second quarter and they were down at halftime 6-21. to 21. But I will say this, the Jags are a good team and they played the Jags um, already twice this year. So that's tough to do in of itself. You know, you're a rebuilding team. You're going to play the best team in your division twice in the first uh, in the first half of the season. That is that's not an easy task. So I will I will give them that that benefit of the doubt. Say like maybe Gardner Minshew would look better um, next week. But I, I just I agree. I mean, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor's going to have to step up. That's really like where the bread and butter is now. He's going to have to step up and be that elite top tier running back that he was last year. Yeah, but overall, I think that's kind of what we got there with the with the Colts. Uh, just a couple quick little recap of other games. Houston beat New Orleans 20-13. New England beat Vegas 21-17. Arizona, Los Angeles. Los Angeles won that game. The Buffalo-New York game was pretty interesting, uh, pretty much due to the fact that the New York Giants decided to run the ball uh, with less than 10 seconds left at the end of the first half. And then they were unable to convert on on the final play of the game. There was like a little holding call that could have been called or even pass interference, whatever. But they ended up losing that game to the Bills. And then really the only storyline coming out of Dallas and Los Angeles was that crazy fan that everyone was talking about, Marianne Doe or whatever her name was. Turns out she, I think she was a plant. I don't know. I thought it was real, but the Dallas Cowboys ended up going in and beating the Chargers, unfortunately. Um, I picked the Chargers to win that game, so there was that. And then last thing before we go, Jacksonville taking on New Orleans this Thursday, uh, tomorrow. This game doesn't really entice me too much. I don't know about you. I think Jacksonville going to New Orleans and and play pretty well and, and win that game. Although last week, What's his name? Derek Carr did have really good numbers, but I don't expect a whole lot coming uh, from from the Saints this entire season. Uh, yeah, I don't expect much from the Saints either. Um, I have said this, and I'll just beat a dead horse here. Um, if they're playing a, good, a team with a good quarterback, they're probably going to lose. If they're not, they'll probably win. So that's their assessment right now, and that's what I'm holding them to. 
on a short week going against Trevor Lawrence. I don't think that they're going to be um, as ready as the Jags are going to be. I think the Jags are building momentum, a little bit of steam. I like the Jaguars too tomorrow. So see with that, is there even a line? Is it worth it to even look? Let me try and pull it up. Because it's a little early. Normally they do it like the day of. Yeah, oh, New Orleans favored by one. Oh, favored by one. Okay, I'm not surprised yeah. by that. That's a that's a fair line, I think. There's I... obviously some some concerns about Trevor Lawrence playing tomorrow, but I think he'll suit up. I think yeah. that's where that comes from with the line. Okay, well, this has been the Streakers Podcast, October 18th edition, Wednesday night edition, new time slot edition, going over all of the NFL games. You know, we got a juicy Thursday night game, and we got a ton of great baseball this weekend. I'm Patrick Previty. That's Mason McGlear. We'll be back Sunday morning with the same old, same old, going over NFL games. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.